Episode 64, Dr. Greg Bataro found a niche with a market but no competition. The Online Course Guy Podcast. Regular people are taking their knowledge and content and packaging it up in an online course and they're making a living doing it. Didn't you take some kind of course to cover this stuff? Check it out. It's a good course. It's a good class. Ladies and gentlemen. Are you ready? Here's the Online Course Guy. Hopkins. Hey everyone, it's Jacques Hopkins and welcome to this episode of the Online Course Guy podcast. In the episode, I talked to Dr. Greg who, well, he's, he's doing some cool things online with online courses. I'm going to tell you about that in a second. But first, our sponsor, Bonjoro. You've probably heard me talk about it before, but if you haven't signed up for the free trial, why not? If you have an online course, you should 100, 1,000% be using Bonjour to thank your customers. Send them a quick video. Call them out by name. It works great. People love it. It really sets up your students for success. But let's say you're just getting started and you haven't sold any copies of a course yet. Maybe you don't have a course yet, but you have a landing page and you have an opt-in and you're getting like one or two people opting in, giving you their email address each day. Well, now's a perfect time to start building a relationship with your audience and your potential customers. When somebody opts in, send them a bonjoro. Welcome them to your world. It's going to blow them away. Not many people are doing this. Do it. I promise. Just do it. Just try it. There's You have nothing to lose. Sign up for a free 14-day trial of Bonjoro by heading to this link, bonjoro.com slash Jacques. That's J-A-C-Q-U-E-S. All right, so my favorite thing from the interview with Dr. Greg is his topic selection. So I want to talk about Blue Ocean Strategy for a minute. So this is a book. It's a business book. You may have heard of it. You may have read it. But the premise is that you want to start a business in a blue ocean, meaning all the sharks haven't gotten in it yet. Because once all the sharks are in that blue ocean, it starts to become a red ocean. And the sharks are basically competitors. So how saturated is your market? And we always talk about in this industry, you know, you want to niche down. And most of the time when I'm talking to somebody, they do have competitors. Now, how many competitors ranges greatly in the piano online courses like like what I have? There's hundreds, if not thousands of piano courses. It's very saturated. So it's all the more important to stand out with your message. So an online course on piano is a very, very, very red ocean so you kind of need to create your own blue ocean like in, in kind of a sub niche to even be successful. If you try to create just a generic online piano course today, you're not going to be successful flat out. And it's because of this blue ocean strategy, this concept of blue oceans versus red o- oceans. But what Dr. Greg did is he found a nice blue ocean with, according to him, no competitors, but there's a market. Like that's the other thing. You don't want to just create a topic that doesn't exist, but that nobody wants. And so Dr. Greg is selling his course. He's, he's sold, you know, thousands of copies of his course, and now he has multiple courses, and it's in this niche of Catholic mindfulness. So like I was telling him in the interview, it's like it's not just like he created a Catholicism course or a mindfulness course, which I'm sure both of those exist, and there's plenty of those, but he combined the two, kind of created his own little niche, and created a Catholic mindfulness course. So that, I thought that was brilliant. It's obviously working for him. A lot of great stuff coming at you in this interview. Let's start it right now. 
Hi there, Dr. Greg. Thanks so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Yeah. So I'm, I'm interested to, uh, excited to dig into your story a little bit. W- what are kind of the steps that led into you creating your first online course? Sure. Well, I, um, I am a, a psychologist and uh, I happen to be a Catholic psychologist. And so for me, what that means is um, I dig pretty deep into integrating the Catholic faith uh, and anthropology with the practice of psychology. And so, um, you know, I look for lots of different ways that I can make that more practical and real for people. So, for instance, um, there's something called mindfulness practice that is it, it's actually becoming all the rage now. Um, about five years ago, not too many people knew too much about it, but basically it's a, it's a statistically proven, really well-validated method for uh, non-medically reducing anxiety and depression. And it's used for chronic pain treatment, and it's used for a number of other, um, another of, uh, number of other disorders since because of how much research has been done. And the, the more I looked into that, I saw that, you know, part of our faith, the Catholic faith is, is to believe that there's a father, a God who loves us, and, you know, we should trust him. And if we can trust God and let go, you know, they say, let God let go, stuff like that, all those little cliche phrases, but really just trusting God get, should bring us peace. So I start to look at these things through the spiritual lens and then through the psychological lens and figure out how it comes together. And I started teaching a course on Catholic mindfulness. And, um, and I was doing this in person. So I was just, you know, I started helping my patients and then that slowly morphed into teaching a bunch of people at once in my office. And then that turned into a full-fledged sort of marketing drive to, you know, actually teach courses at my office. After I did that six or seven times, I realized, you know, I should probably record this. And if I can, if I can get this thing recorded, at least I could show people, you know, I can show patients and I can use it without having to reteach the same material over and over again. And then, um, you know, that eventually grew into discovering a platform for teaching uh, for courses. I, I found Teachable as a platform that I really liked and, um, and you know, kind of just uploaded everything there and, and the rest is history. So I, I, the people that have been the, the, like, the most successful with online courses share that similar kind of pattern where you start to just teach this to people one-on-one and then maybe a group setting. And then it's like, well, if I'm, if I'm going through all this trouble of teaching this material, why not branch out even further and then get into an online course? But the biggest barrier typically is just like the tech and stuff. Because once yeah. you go from in-person to online, there's so many things you have to learn. How did you do that? Yeah, absolutely. I've always been a kind of a tinkerer. I've always liked to get in there with my hands and kind of figure stuff out, whether it's, you know, fixing cars when I was 16 or, um, you know, building my own website for my practice. And, uh, you know, this was just kind of a natural progression of that same thing. I had somebody um, that did record it for me while I was teaching. Um, But then uh, after that, you know, I started looking at the website and figuring out the plugins and, you know, figuring out how to integrate it with everything else. So is this first course that you made, I'm looking at the library of courses that you have, is Introduction to Catholic Mindfulness, is that the first one you made? Yeah, that was my first course. Okay. And is that the say? is it in the same state as when you first made it or have you redone it at all? You know, that is actually in the same state. And so I, I just started creating more and more courses and so that I, um, I haven't had a chance to go back to it yet. 
Um, but it's, it's the most popular course. So the things that I thought maybe need to be changed, I, I really am not sure. I keep going back and forth. For instance, they're 90-minute lectures. It's an eight-week drip course, and each week there's a 90-minute lecture that I recorded and uploaded. And so, um, you know, since then, you know, a lot of the stuff out there talks about doing these short little videos and speaking directly to the camera, um, you know, little, little things like that, that I didn't do the first time around, but it's still by far the most popular and, um, you know, financially uh, lucrative course that I have going. So I I don't know, it's kind of up in the air whether or not I'm going to change it next time or not. Gotcha. So I don't, I don't have any of my courses on Teachable, but I know it's very popular and a lot of people like it. Do you, uh, are there any downsides to Teachable or are you a big fan? I'm a big fan. I just think, uh, especially for getting started, um, it's, it's, there's a, such a low barrier of entry. The tech is really not complicated. So, you know, once you get a handle on the equipment issues for actually getting the material recorded, um, it's fairly simple to use. It's really simple the way they've integrated affiliate relationships so you can have other people signed in and then it automatically takes care of splitting revenue and sending out PayPal payments. And um, they do take a, a decent percentage. And I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but you know, looking more now into expanding and creating my own platform, um, there's certainly some money to be gained and saved by kind of self-hosting and, and uh, self-managing. But besides that, as far as just a, an initial um, entry into the world of teaching uh, courses, I, I would definitely recommend Teachable. Awesome. Yeah, I, I certainly don't recommend people go in, in any sort of self-hosting route. But uh, a lot of the, the, the big ones out there I know are all great. Teachable, Thinkific, Kajabi. I use ClickFunnels myself. Um, so I know you've, you've written, you're, you're an author as well, Greg, Dr. Greg, and, uh, what came first books or courses for you? Oh, the courses definitely. And you know, it's, it's funny you bring that up because I was just looking at some of my numbers and we can get to this in a minute, but I, I started with the course, part of the course, along with each week, I give this lecture is also a chapter that I, uh, of a book that I started writing as a workbook for the course. And then each, you know, so I was writing out my notes and, and giving people something else to digest during the week. So people who are more visual and reading learners versus video and, and audio, um, they, they could read something during the week. And then, and then it just kind of made sense. Why don't I just put all this together, really polish it up, edit it. And uh, there's a number of publishers actually in the Catholic niche. Once my course started becoming more popular, there were a couple of um, high-profile blogs that were written about it and different news articles that that came out. Um, So then I was approached by five publishers who wanted to write the book on Catholic mindfulness. And and so that was a whole other world of trying to figure out and navigate that process. And I went with one publisher that I really liked um, because they do volume publishing instead of, you know, high-priced uh, publishing. So, um, what I found there was that, uh, that my book was basically already written for me. Yeah, that's awesome. I've heard, I've heard it the other way around where people write, write a book. They feel like that's the best way to, to share the information they have with the world. And then they take that information and turn it into a course for you is the opposite. You know, you had the course and that made writing the book easy. Yeah, it was the, it was the opposite. And you know, I'm, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a psychologist. I have a, a a pretty decently large practice with 10 therapists that work for me. And, um, you know, we are in a niche, which we do have a lot of traction on. So 
you know, to, to be fair, you know, a lot of these guys that I'm listening to, a lot of these women that I'm listening to are sort of self-made entrepreneurs kind of in that space or kind of creating your own income. And, you know, this is a, an amazing way to do that. But I'm coming at it from the, the opposite direction where I have a well-established business. And, you know, for me, writing a book is not a financially sound way to spend my time. Um, there's no money to be made in writing a book unless you're in that position where you need to create authority for yourself or create an expertise. But for me, I'm a doctor of psychology, so I'm starting off with the expertise and then finding ways to to actually turn that into revenue streams. Um, so I didn't really need to write the book. I never thought about writing a book, but it was more so because of my passion and because of the ways that I could actually help people by writing the book. And and I, I think it actually is hurting my course sales. <laughs> so, so I'm actually thinking twice even about writing any more books because now that the book is out there, you, know, you could buy the book for 14 bucks or you could get the course for $249. And so I've seen a little bit of a, a rever- reverse correlation between uh, you know, book sales and, and course sales. Yeah, that's really funny. I've used this example on the podcast before, but there's a big marketing guy called Jeff Walker uh, who promotes this this method of selling things online called the product launch formula. And you can buy his $2,000 course on how to do this, or you can buy his $10 book. Yeah. <laughs> and But he, he sets up his book really well in that it's kind of a funnel into his course if you want to take it to the next level. And there are things you just can't teach to people in a book that you can teach in an online course. Sure. Yeah, I think that's a um, that's something I need to develop a bit more. I saw the opportunity with this publisher because they do volume publishing. So what they do is they'll go in, they'll sell their books for a dollar a copy, but they market to what they call parish ambassadors. And so they'll have somebody get their their pastor to buy up a thousand copies and have them in the church during Christmas or Easter time when you have a lot of people coming to church maybe twice a year. And so they're basically putting marketing tools in the hands of every, every parishioner there. And so I saw that as a, as, a, as a means to just spreading the word about my course. So I did put a coupon in there for the course and that kind of thing. But I, I definitely could take it to that next level still where I'm intentionally writing the book in such a way as to be a lead magnet or a, you know, somehow part of that funnel leading to, uh, leading to the course. Yeah. And I can think of one other example, a guy that was on the podcast, Curtis Stone, who is an expert in urban farming, who also has a book on Amazon that's very popular and an online course. Um, And his online course is like $1,000. And of course, the book is more like $10. But he said the book is actually one of his biggest traffic drivers to his course. Uh, Just because once you're on Amazon in those places, like you get to tap into that market and people are finding you that would have never found, uh, found you to begin with. And even if a small percentage of the book buyers end up buying your course, that's people that wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. So one thing that, that stood out to me, uh, Dr. Greg, when I was kind of looking into you and your courses a little bit was just kind of the, the topic that you're teaching about. And, and, you know, in our industry, online course, you know, people helping others with the online courses and online businesses, it's all about, okay, find your niche, right? And so you're not just teaching some general Catholicism course or general mindfulness course. You put those together. It's like, okay, I'm teaching you Catholic mindfulness. Do you even have any competitors in that niche? <laughs> not at all. <laughs> it's funny. There's, there's almost no competitors in Catholic psychology in general. Um, and so it, it's it's really great because there are some really great Catholic psychologists out there. And because 
are not really competitors, we can really form great relationships and we can really help each other. Um, but besides that, going even further down the narrowing niche into Catholic mindfulness, it's basically nobody else doing it. So it has become a bit of a, um, a kind of a brand and, and part, of, part of my practice in general. So that can be a good thing or a bad thing, right? Sure. Uh, because like if, if like I have a piano course, right? There's hundreds and maybe thousands of piano courses, but that, but obviously a lot of people are looking for it. Um, are you, are you finding that people are looking for this or I guess really what is the main way that people are finding your course? Yeah, there's a lot of people looking for it. And, you know, there's a lot of people who are, you know, the, the other side of the story is that within the Catholic faith, there's a, uh, a certain suspicion of practices that come from outside the faith. And so, in particular, um, there are small pockets, at least, that are a little suspicious of things like yoga or, um, or mindfulness or, you know, other things that are sort of Eastern, New Agey or sort of, uh, you know, out there. So, there, there's a, a, a lot of people who are engaged in a very normal way in some of these things, but then have a bit of a fear like, am I doing this right? Or is this wrong? Or, you know, that kind of thing. And then you have some priests that are out there that are, you know, promoting that as a negative thing, um, instilling that fear even further. So I like to sort of parse out what's healthy, what's unhealthy, and then provide that as a resource and service to, to people uh, that, that find my material. And there's a lot of people then looking for that. So they see this and they're, they're basically saying, this is wonderful. There actually is a Catholic way to do mindfulness. And so then they, they have that avenue opened up to them. So I see on uh, this page I'm on right now, catholicmindfulness.com slash courses. There are several courses listed here. Um, so what was kind of the progression here? What was the second course and so on? So the second major course that I did, a couple of those are sort of little lead magnets. So, you know, I did certain things. I, I did a couple of surveys on, on Facebook, like what topic should I talk on next? And so I, I developed a little a video on um, how to have a sex talk with your kids. And that was a pretty popular topic. So I just did a little, a, a little, uh, you know, a little video course on that. Um, and then the, the next major course that I did, though, was called How to Be Married. And so this is a culmination of, of years of marital therapy how to be married was was a culmination again of just a lot of my own work, passion, and and effort and development of resources and material that I've put together over the years. So it was it was kind of easy to make that course as well. Um, you know, it's just a matter of getting in front of a camera. And for that one, I tried to do that differently, where I was just me and the camera speaking into it directly, uh, trying to come up with sort of bite sized chunks of videos to do that a little differently. Um, so again, just experimenting with different ways of doing things. So as, as I'm sure you're aware, you can't just build these courses and put them on a page and be successful. Uh, what is, what is your marketing strategy? Yeah. So for that one, we did a mini course as a, as a lead magnet, uh, a free course that did, you know, turned some Facebook ads, to, uh, ads towards that. Um, and then, uh, that one kind of took a backseat for a little while as, as well. So, you know, I was, started to do a little too much and, and really kind of learned that I needed to focus on what I was doing because I couldn't just throw up a course on a page and expect it to sell. Um, I had, I have an email list of over about 13,000 people right now, I think. And um, the first course 
in total, the students equal about, I think it's about 2,500 students. Wow. Um, and that's a lot of courses being given away and, and discounts and things like that. But I was kind of counting on the email marketing with that list, uh, thinking that if you're buying one course, you're going to buy the next course and so on. That hasn't really turned out to be true. I think it really is content specific. So I think I really hit uh, a resonance with that Catholic mindfulness course. Um, something that I thought would do as well would be the how to be married course, but it hasn't done as well. Um, and, and it, I don't know, I have to revisit my marketing campaigns for that, but um, just learning as I go here. Okay. So I, I just thought of a bunch of new questions for you hearing, hearing all that. So, um, you know, over 2,500 students into your first course uh, is, is not insignificant. Uh, how, how are, are you actively getting new students enrolling kind of every day? Yeah, I'm actively getting new students about, um, not, not every day, but uh, probably th- three to five a week at this point. And um, that's with very minimal marketing anymore. So it's kind of just out there. And I'm, I'm currently sort of playing with different ideas with different marketing people because this is not my expertise at all. And so trying to find the right people uh, is, is a bit of a challenge. Um, so, you know, I had somebody that was doing Facebook ads and then trying to come up with some different email campaign type things. And every once in a while, I'll just jump in there and I'll shoot out an email myself with just some new idea that I have or some new discount or something. And then, you know, next thing I know I have like, you know, 15 more course sales. So I know it's, I know it's, it's a great potential and it's just me figuring out how to really tap the vein the right way. Yeah. So, so you mentioned Facebook ads are you, you're not currently running any Facebook ads. Is that correct? Uh, at the moment we're, I don't think so. No. Okay. But when you, when you were running them, is that something you did yourself? No, so I have uh, I have in the last three years I've had a couple different people that I've that I've worked with to kind of contract out some marketing. So I have one guy in particular now who is doing some of the Facebook ads. That's awesome, man. So you have this course up there that's uh, about two hundred fifty dollars that's just sitting there, and people it somewhat just stumble upon it, and you're getting three to five sales a week. A lot of people would kill for that. That's pretty awesome. That's good to know. Yeah, it's it's hard. <laughs> It's hard to uh, have anything to compare to, so it's 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 good talking to you. Yeah, so uh, let's let's talk about pricing. Um, you know, the, the I see here that the main course is two forty nine. Uh, the how to be married course that you also mentioned also two forty nine. How did you decide how to price your courses? Yeah, total total shot in the dark. I um I started with uh I started with my person in person course, and I charged four hundred dollars for the eight weeks for people to come to my office to take that course. And I was really just trying to anchor it to that thinking about value and, you know, what was reasonable. Um, and, and I really, I, I wish I could tell you I had some kind of genius, you know, price anchoring price, price discerning kind of method, but that just felt right to me. And, you know, at first I thought I should probably do it a little lower and then I heard enough, and, you know, read enough on that podcast and, and the marketing stuff out there that's always saying go higher than you think. And um, so I did. That's, that's just kind of where I landed. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, so let's talk about the kids and working from home since this, that came up already. Uh, <laughs> and I deal with that too. Uh, I actually just moved offices. So you'll have to forgive my new, my new space. I have a box sitting here behind me. Um, I haven't got my new office set up like I want it yet because um, I moved kind of 
as far away from everybody as possible, but I can still hear them in the background. You know, my kids aren't in school today. Yeah. Uh, so they're out in the living room and my wife and it can be distracting uh, from time to time. You know, how, how do you, you have twice as many kids there as, as I do. How, how do you deal with it on your side working remote? Yeah, it's not easy. I mean, a lot of the work that I do is, is consulting with sort of overall mental health and, and lifestyle health. So, you know, I try to really put into practice what I, what I teach people. Um, you know, waking up early, I wake up at five o'clock and I, and I get right to work. And so I have a pocket of time. We have our kids really well disciplined on a schedule. So everybody is basically in bed by seven and up at seven. So, you know, I always have 12 hours. Half of my life is, is really not having to uh, be responsible for children, or at least I should say that on my wife's behalf. And then, um, you know, she's certainly responsible for them a lot more than I am. But, uh, you know, I get a lot of good clear headed kind of work done in the morning. And then um, I have an office that's separated from the home. So um, usually uh, the the kids aren't right next door in the kitchen. uh, So you can't always hear them screaming like that, especially in the morning when I see my patients for the first half of the day. Um, And it just takes a lot of internal boundary setting. You know, it just takes a lot of, of being able to close the door and really, you know, feel like you're at work. And um, I will say that it's, it is a challenge to the point where I'm, I'm currently renovating uh, our detached garage to be uh, an office space. And so I cleaned it all out, put a little shed in the back to put some of the garage stuff in, and I'm actually going to build a, a legitimate office in the garage. I'll put a little studio in there so I can do some recording, and it'll be separate enough so I'm, I'm technically working from home, but just add a little bit more of that separation to make it easier. Awesome. Love it. So as far as the online course side of your business goes, what are you struggling with, if anything? Yeah, I think it's, it's just finding the right way to, um, I guess there's two parts to it, is recognizing that it's a substantial revenue stream and looking at it as a business. So to, to appropriately manage it as a business with actually hiring people or at least hiring contractors to do the things that they should do. So again, since I'm such a, uh, I guess you could call it a control freak with needing to like sort of be, you know, be on top of everything that's happening, the nuts and the bolts. It's hard for me to sort of let go of certain things, trust other people to do things better than I can. I always find out that they can, but that initial, that initial leap is tough for me. Um, And then finding the right people, you know, again, just not having the experience with, hiring creatives, hiring marketing people, um, just kind of putting it all together. So that's a bit of my frustration is I feel like I'm sitting on something that's incredibly, uh, you know, um, popular, lucrative, powerful, and, and, and helpful. Uh, lot, I see a lot of people, it's just, it blows me away. I mean, I'm in tears when I read these emails from people telling me how their lives are changed. And, and we're talking about people's spiritual life. So they're talking about, I mean, I get emails regularly, people telling me they never knew how much God really loved them. They never knew what they were made for. They never knew life could be so beautiful. So I'm sitting on this like, okay, this is important. I need to, I need to get this out there, but I don't have all the skills to, to do that in the best way possible. So I'd say that's my, my number one pain point. Yeah, you're almost doing a disservice to people by not by not sharing it with as many people as possible and, and being able to focus on it more, you know, you, you need to be there for the, the, 
content creation side of things, but you don't need to be building web pages and doing Facebook ads and all that. Um, that actually takes away from what you're doing for the world, I would say. Yeah, I, I would say that. I agree with that. Yeah, I'm definitely feeling that. <laughs> all right. So, so what advice do you have for somebody that's just starting out and they, they, they have a lot of knowledge on a topic uh, like you did and they're just getting wind of online courses a possibility? What, what advice do you have? It's a great question. I actually just met with somebody this morning who uh, was asking me that same question for herself. <laughs> and so I, you know, I'm not at the point where I can, I, obviously I can't claim an expertise enough to teach a course on it, but um, I, what I told her, the first step is to, to find out what, uh, how your passion and interest meets other people's needs. And so what I told her was to, and she's a lawyer who is really dissatisfied with practicing law and she wants to go into mental health and become a therapist. And the more I talked it through with her, it was clear that I'm not sure she wants to be a therapist either, but she has a passion for helping people. She has a ton of experience working in family court systems. She can help people avoid divorce and, and avoid the pain that comes with that. So she has this passion. She has this expertise and there are people out there with the need that would want to know what she knows. So somehow we got to figure out how to bring those two things together. And so what I told her was, and I told her, I don't have all the answers for every step of the way, but I can tell you how to get started. And that's to go home and write out a curriculum of 10 specific topics of the things, the nuggets, the, 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 the expertise that you would be able to help uh, by, by teaching somebody. And if you can just, just simply start off with writing out your curriculum, basically. And, and figure out what that looks like. So that would be the first step is to figure, like Teachable says this all the time, you know, their whole, their whole moniker, their, their logo, everything is teachable. And, and they say everybody is an expert. You just have to figure out who wants the expertise that you have. And so I do, I do believe that there's validity to that. So I, I would say somebody starting off, figure out what it is that you have to teach and, and figure out what, what your experience and expertise can do to help the world. Awesome. It's, it's, uh, you were able to, to tie into an exact example of somebody genuinely wanting your help and advice and, and share that exact answer on this podcast. So that's really cool. Uh, so thank you so much for, uh, for joining me and answering my questions so thoughtfully, Dr. Greg. To wrap things up, uh, let us know if there's anything else you want to share and where people can find your stuff online. Absolutely. My, my main website uh, with my practice is catholicpsych.com. That's P-S-Y-C-H. And then I have all of my coursework currently at catholicmindfulness.com. Thanks, Dr. Greg. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you so much for Dr. Greg for joining me on the show today. You can find all the detailed show notes at theonlinecourseguy.com slash 64. And if you never visited that, you know, give it a shot. Just go to theonlinecourseguy.com slash 64. I do a little write up on the episode. I actually give you timestamps on the different topics we talked about throughout the episode. And all the links that we mentioned in the episode are down at the bottom. And then once you're there, check out the online course workshop that I put together for you. This is for those of you that you know really don't know where to start, you don't have an online course yet, 
This really gets you to focus on the three things, the only three things that really matter. People think you need to do all these different things when you're starting an online course and you need to be on Snapchat and you need to be on Instagram and you need to be on Facebook. You need to have a blog and a podcast and you need to be doing all these things. But in reality, if you just focus on these three things, you will be successful. So check out the online course workshop. It's free and it's awesome. Getting a lot of great feedback about it. Head to theonlinecourseguide.com for that. And don't forget to check out our sponsor, of course, Bonjoro. I told you about Bonjoro in the intro. Those are the reasons you want to use it. Check out the free trial at bonjoro.com slash Jacques. And please, please, please stay tuned for the next episode. More online course guy podcast coming at you very soon.